As I watched Danny's little round ass, the same one that I'd eaten the night before, prior to finger fucking her to six orgasms. My name is Luca. I live on the second floor. I live upstairs from you. Yes, I think you've seen me before. You went there because he had a lesion on your groin. That's why you went to the doctor on June 11th. Not because of what was on your face. You also spoke to him about it, but that's not why you went to him, because you'd been treating that yourself for 11 days with Neosporin. Wait, what's that now? Jay, do you fuck the pillow? Yeah, my same question. Oh, yeah, guys. I fuck my pillow. <laughs> I'm sorry, my tone was off. Yes, I 100% fuck my pillow. <laughs> Alright, welcome to Last Man on Earth. My name is Lex Jurgen. As always, I'm flanked by Matt Ralston. Matt, this is a long one, so pay attention. Good. I recently admitted to Matt that, like the FBI, he planted a spy in his midst to watch over him. Yes, it was his male masseuse, Ricardo. Understand this, Matt. While his name was actually Steven, and he's not a refugee from Honduras with a killer dad bod, that connection you felt as you oiled your stranger danger reasons was real to you both. And you're welcome. That was a very elaborate joke. That was. That was way too long. Uh... <laughs> I, I do like the fact that they had, like, I was trying to think about when they planted someone in Trump organization, like the FBI planted someone in Trump organization, they'd have to find someone so dysfunctional and horrible <laughs> that, he'd fit right, that he would fit right in. Right. And, and, like, they couldn't just get a typical, like, spy or something like that. They had to find, like, an older, drunkard, womanizer, like, hey, he's one of us. He's one of, he's one of us. Imagine <laughs> how they cast, cast the guy. Like, who would they believe, who would Trump believe is part of his organization? I think it would have to be Bill Murray playing a character. I can't imagine any other scenario. There's, there's no way they could get like a real undercover FBI guy to go in there because they'd spot him right away. What do you think, Brian? I think Brian has some thoughts on this. Uh, I, I couldn't agree more. It has to be an older, lecherous guy talking about grabbing chicks' pussies and stuff. And like <laughs> like just, Nick Nolte? Yes. Maybe? Yes, like a Nick Nolte. On a bender? Yes. It's like a scraggly, <laughs> older, fat guy just talking about ch- young chick pussy and like, Oh man, he's one of us. We can talk around. We can talk around him. <laughs> uh, this week's Last Minute Earth podcast is sponsored by the eleven people nationally who tune in to watch Citizen Rose, Rose McGowan's show on E this week. Rose McGowan's record low ratings because broken women would rather be binge eating. <laughs> she uh, miraculously, so she had this uh, her show where she talks about herself and her struggles of being a victim her entire life. Uh, Rose McGowan. Uh, she has a pretty good social media following too, since she came out the wine seat stuff in her book. It had a, a dramatically low uh, debut in February. It was after it was, I think, set against the Super Bowl or something else for women to watch, and like it had a .07 rating, which is just about as low as you can go. And E put it on hiatus for three months. They had six episodes in the can, and they spent three months on a publicity tour with her, where she yelled at trannies, got in fights with everybody, and just started calling out lots of people and swearing just everybody. Generally, like bipolar behavior. <laughs> bipolar. Generally, just being a horrible person. And they brought it back in May with a big fanfare, and it scored a point oh six, <laughs> which is uh, if you ever look at the cable ratings, that's just like cable ratings go really low. That's just about as low as you can get. Like she is so terrible and completely full of shit. Um, there's nothing. There's nothing. I mean, she, if you look online, she has her diehard fans, right, who just love the fact that she's a you know she's a, a rape victim essentially, signing herself as a rape victim, fighting against the power. But that, it just goes to show, like even women don't want to watch that. Like, you know, imagine all the women who could claim some sort of 
sexual assault victimization as they do in Me Too. But even those women don't want to watch Rose McGowan going through her shit. Right. Because I think at the end of the day, my theory is women want to talk about their shit. They don't necessarily want to watch another broken woman talk about her stuff. Like, they don't find that entertaining in Her any way. stuff, which is dubious at best. <clears throat> I'm friends with her on Facebook because um, I was trying to bang her. I didn't know that she was insane. This is a while ago. Um, but I, here's the thing that no one talks about with her. She's crazy and all that. Yes. But she's also dumb as shit because yes. I constantly troll her on Facebook and she doesn't get it. Like, she doesn't know that I'm making fun of her. No, even she, though it's like really obvious, she doesn't understand that. If you read her social media feeds, which is where she communicates mostly these days, it's usually about up to three words that she writes, like "fight the power." She writes, "speak truth to power," and like when people go, "Yeah," like, do you understand the woman can't put a? I mean, I don't know what she was like before she started going crazy, but she literally can't put a full sentence together, meaningful sentence together, and you're following her like she's like speaking some. <laughs> I think maybe that we talked about how last week, uh, last show, how it would be to put, how easy it would be to put a cult together. Right. I think the less you speak and the more you speak in platitudes and like two word responses, the more dumb people will follow you. Yeah, you can tell she's dumb too because, like, if you want to do cocaine, like whatever, it's 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 not a great look, but yes. I, you know whatever. Um, what means that you're either stupid or you're doing far, far too much cocaine is when you bring it onto an airplane. Yeah, bring it through TSA. And then, so... And, let's, forget, and, forget, and, and forget about it. Forget about it. <laughs> yes. So let's you, just say... In your, in your wallet. If I got busted with cocaine on an airplane, what my first thought would be like to, to explain it instead of just admitting that I use cocaine. I'd be like, someone planted this cocaine on me. I'd be like, oh, no, no one's going to buy that. That's what she did. Well, she, she went through that scenario. Yeah, the massage. She blamed the massage. Uh, <laughs> but also, she left her wallet with her ID in it, with cocaine in it at the airport. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, it's just a, it's one of those dumb criminal episodes. And, <laughs> and the worst part is that like she is like, I mean, she's so messed up. But her fans, her fans, the small number of fans she has, are so diehard. I think if she told them to murder themselves, they probably just would go ahead and do it. <laughs> at this point, you got to wonder, like, yeah, if you're like a cultist, if you're following like a cult leader or something, you have to like. Sort of measure how idiotic or insane your cult leaders at some point in your life. That, I agree, I, and I don't get. She seems to have this past. Like no one's, no one's just stating the obvious. Like this is an unhinged, cokehead maniac. Weird, yeah, it's not weird, like weirdo. It's not the same as like being a huge LeBron fan. Just like <laughs> LeBron's like objectively the best and one of the best basketball players ever by his own accomplishment. Right. It'd be like if you were like following like a you know a guy who played two years in the NBA, sat on the bench and didn't do anything, <laughs> and he's like, you, and you're just running around how he's the greatest person, the greatest basketball player ever. There's no logic to it. It's not like she was a tremendous, has tremendous accomplishments. You can say like she was once great, but now she's fallen on hard times. Well, she has t- tremendous boobs, but I don't think that's what her fans are because no. that's the only reason like that she had fans ever in the first place. Yeah, pr- prior to this reincarnation, she played a sexy witch on TV. And she was a sexy siren in a few t- in a few movie roles, and then she just went crazy, shaved her head, and like you know, it's just not working. My, I'm actually kind of happy that no one's watching her show, only in the sense that it gives me a little hope. That like you can only do the broken woman thing so far, right? Before even women, which is her 100 percent of her audience, will just go fuck it. I'm I'm just not watching that. It's just too depressing for me. Shout out to the completely 
inexplicably employed and overpaid retards that run the e network. Oh my god! For <laughs> thinking, uh, yeah, we'll just we'll just bring it back after no one gave a shit the first time. My joke about the e channel is like, if I ran e channel, every single meeting I held at the office would be like, what the fuck are we going to do if the Kardashians leave? <laughs> because they have like 30 shows on the network and 29 of them are ridiculously low-rating loser money things. And then the Kardashians, which make all their money. I, if, I was, if I was Chris Jenner, I would walk into E and just say, like, just give me half your company now or I'm leaving. <laughs> we literally produce like 99% of all your revenue. Right. You have not come, in 10 years, you've not come up with a second show. It's just horrible. Uh, do not forget to become a patron of the show. Brian's a patron. Matt's a patron of the show. I'm checking those credit cards. I think you try, Brian tried to use his Diners Club card. It's <laughs> like under the name Pablo something or other. Uh, uh, last Patreon. Patreon. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Last Minute Earth. Uh, thanks to all the new patrons coming in daily. Just uh, The numbers are growing endlessly. Brian, I'm just joking. I don't see your name on there on the list. <laughs> it's 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 Come one on, of those. Brian. This is like one of those GoFundMe things where everyone like has to donate so na- they can show everyone their names on there. This I want I want to be that like politically correct and like important to people that like Spielberg has to put a donation on there. I don't think it's it's <laughs> happening. Uh, get on the ship before it disappears. I mean, we're going to cut off sponsorships at some point. We're going to have too many sponsors. We're going to cut off. So go to Patreon.com. Brian, get on there. If you wish to contact the show, hit us up on Twitter at Last Man Podcast or Facebook, also Last Man Podcast. All right on the show. Uh, Matt, I know your parents sent you to a lot of camps when you were younger. Uh, there was, of course, a fat camp. Uh, <laughs> Never went to a camp, but there was, uh, you, did you go to like Jewish summer camp type? Or, uh, or no, it? I never went. Uh, we didn't. I, what's there, I guess there were Jewish summer camps. I didn't, I didn't go to Jewish. I went to camp, sleepaway camp, uh, one year when I was like eight, eight or nine. And I would say it was the worst two weeks of my life. Oh, I hated man. every. I, I can't imagine anything about camp that I liked. I'd be trying to finger bang the whole time. That's all I would. My list. I had a, a list of things to do, and it wouldn't be like catch a trout. It'd be like no, the, finger bang. Finger bang a girl. Yeah. Okay. They kept the girl separate from the boys. First off, so it was just boys. And as far as I remember, it was one of those things where, like, I was nine, and like parents started sending their kids there like at five or six to get rid of them for the summer. And the kids would. One kid actually came to me on the first day and said, like. It's your first year here, huh? I'm like, yeah. He goes, I've been here since I was five. My parents must love me more than you. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah. I was like eight, nine or something at the time. I'm like, I already understood. Like, I don't think you get why your parents yeah, said you're all stuff. Kind of the opposite of that. I don't like. It was one of those camps where they like promise you could do cool things if you if you've been there for two or three years. But like in first year, all you could do was like arts and crafts and nature walk. So like there was this hint of like there was a rifle range somewhere you could use or an archery range after three after you were like a year. Well, three do camp. all people not like their kids because on the East Coast, I, and this is still common, like in the you know elite, like the people that have the money get rid of their kids. Yeah, they send them to a different state. Yes, to live. Uh, so why 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 have the kid? I don't understand. As my kids get a little older towards that age, I kind of understand that. Just from like, if you had a lot of money, the idea of sending your teenager, annoying teenagers away is really, there's a real upside to that. Well, it appeals to me as someone who, who the idea of having children doesn't appeal to. But then I'm like, well, I could also skip the step of uh, impregnating a woman and then paying for them to go to a different state. Yeah. It, it seems well, like the end game here is that you don't want to hang out with them. Here's the thing. Teenagers are horrible people. <laughs> Generally, I mean, you remember what you were like in high school. Would you want that around your house? Oh, I was a fucking ass. Yes, exactly. So it's like if you can take if you're if you're rich enough to have someone else take care of your kids during their horrible four years, it's just a thing you do. And also, by the way, discipline them when you don't have to do that shit. 
Of course, they're going to smoke and do drugs there and stuff like that. But you don't have to worry about all that crap. But they do it for um, like grade school too, don't they? Uh, probably. Or, I don't no. know. I only know from like the movies. Like, I think you're watching like, like British Aston. royal movies. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty. That's pretty elite stuff. But boarding schools in high school, I don't know. If I could, if I had like a lot of money, I would love to send my kids have someone else take care of my kids for four years and just visit them. It's just kids get kids are cool when they're younger, and then when they you know get older and their adults are cool. It's those teenage years when you really just... If you can find someone else to take care of them and pretend that you're still their parents, it's a good deal. I always wanted to get into one of those schools and, and be like the like the greaser, bad kid, you know? Like, I'd, I'd like... I'd start like a small time drug running operation. Oh, there's huge drug drug operations at those upscale schools with a lot of money there, cocaine, yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, they definitely. And then now, of course, there's all these investiga- latter day investigations how all the teachers were raping all the kids in the 60s and 70s and 80s. So oh, I assume that there's a lot of yeah. There is a downside of sending like your young teeny kids away to not to be supervised by people who like living with children. <laughs> That's something we'll talk about that later. Uh, so you didn't go to camp, so I'm I'm taking away that joke. Uh, so I was going to say gay conversion camp was the one camp you didn't go to, which could have served you well. Um, there is a new movie coming out. Tell me how excited you are about this. Starring Joel Egerton, a man you have to look up to know who he is, an actor you have to look up, but he's been in a million movies. But yeah, very distinctive. Like You definitely can't mistake him for another guy. He has got, got his hands on the hot memoir, hot, edgy memoir, Boy Erased, even with a great name. Uh, as you may know, it's about a, a 19-year-old boy, memoirs of a 19-year-old boy whose parents, while he was in college, sent him to gay conversion camp, but they found out he was gay, his Baptist minister, parent, father, and, and mother. Uh, this apparently was the hottest like, novel out there for Hollywood bidding wars, even knowing that no one's going to watch the movie. So he's 19, a fully grown gay man. Yeah, uh, well, down low gay man, yes. Um, I, I, I don't know how, I, you have to read the story to find out how his parents found out he was gay. But well, what was his allowance? Why, it, why wasn't he just like, no, I don't want to go to that. I would get a gay version. I'm well, gay. You, first of all, you have to see this movie. It's coming out in September. I definitely I don't think I'll be seeing the movie. <laughs> Joel Egerton is starring in it, wrote it, and he's directing it himself. He plays the He plays the guy desperately trying to get an Oscar by doing a <laughs> <laughs> by doing a story about a, a, a sad story of a gay conversion. Does he come around in the end and realize the kid's just who he is? I think at the end. So get, uh, Egerton or does himself he fuck the kid. He got the juiciest role. Well, the juiciest role is a kid role, obviously, the 19-year-old kid. I don't know which actor is playing that. I assume they got a real actor to play that. Uh, not talent, but a real actor. Egerton plays the, the minister, the minister who attends to him at the gay conversion camp to try and convert him. Mm-hmm. So imagine that's, a, that's an Oscar role because he himself will have doubts about what he's doing to the children. Um, and if they hook up at the end, that'd be amazing. <laughs> Just, but that probably won't happen. But that's an Oscar role for him. Look, he can get an Oscar for acting, directing, and writing. Imagine that. That'd be the first time ever. That's why I think he was drawn to this. Uh, and he got immediately got Nicole Kidman and Russell Crowe, A-list actors. Even though Crowe's like bloated and looks like <laughs> <laughs> looks like he's drank about forty gallons of forty gallons of beer every day uh, to play the to play the kid's parents, which are pretty big. That's a pretty big casting thing right there, yeah. Because p- actors could not scramble over themselves fast enough to get involved in this movie. Is that thing going away uh, quickly? As <clears throat> you used to not want to play like the uh, the bad guy. Like you don't want to play a, like a killer, or, but I think that's changed. Uh, it's as long as it's, as long as it's a complex character. So I imagine the role of the mom will be: she loves, she believes in Christianity, and she's a faithful wife to the minister. But she loves her son and wish she didn't have to go through this. 
and then the father will be the Baptist minister who's the bad guy, but he will also be a guy who also learns that he loves his son, and that's more important than the teachings of Jesus or some shit like that. So it'll be so oh, right. So he's like redeeming, sort of. In the yes, end. there'll be a redeeming thing where like he was he was a Baptist minister, his father was a Baptist minister. He comes with this long line of small-minded people, and he's trying his best to understand why his son would want to be in love with another man. This movie's fucking bullshit. I can write this, I can like, write this shit. <laughs> first of all, having seen Russell Crowe in movies, um, what is this thing where you have to make the southern redneck character that you have to cast a European person that yes. inevitably fucks up the accent really terribly or does it in a very theatrical way which no person actually talks like. Like, what? what, have what you, the have fuck? You seen, have you seen Russell Crowe and uh, Les Miserables, the, the one they did like five years ago? No. And Hathaway where he's a French singing with a French accent. <laughs> singing. He sings in the movie. It's just, I don't understand. I mean, Russell Crowe and Gladiator loved it. He was, he was great in Gladiator. As like the grunting tough guy when he was actually in shape, mm-hmm. fine. He did a great job in that movie. But since then, he's been put on ten pounds every single year, and he's really not really much of an actor. And they keep casting him in roles <laughs> repeatedly, and I don't understand why. Because it's not like he's Mark Wahlberg, who's a horrible actor but can carry an entire movie. <laughs> he's not The Rock or, or, or you know, Mark Wahlberg or one of these guys who can just carry an action movie, even though he's a horrible actor. Right. He can't do that any longer. So now he's getting like side roles in movies, and he just is not very good. Um, but what? He plays. Uh, he plays like a sleazy, unattractive fat guy now, and I don't really understand that. If you are in England, yes. and you're watching the fucking BBC yes. terrible production of whatever the fuck it is, no American actors. Not only not an American, but it's not like Johnny Knoxville playing the fucking no. Prince of Wales. No, like what is this? You're in casting. Like why are they failing so miserably? At there this? is an obsession. I'll tell you, this, there's an obsession in American casting to hire. European or British actors, especially British actors and actresses, they love. I mean, you look at TV. Just look at but TV. Why? Look like at what, primetime what television. I don't know, but half of like the CSI people, half all this shit, they're all British. Well, actors. Look at Trevor. Like nothing against Trevor Noah as yes. a person, but whose great idea was it for a guy from South Africa to cover American politics? I thought that was a bad idea. I'll say this for like Australians, uh, Australians in particular, they do like like uh, uh, what's his name, Wolverine. Uh, Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman. They can do. They can pull off American accents, whereas Americans cannot pull off European or British accents. I can. You think so for whole in, in, in character for a whole movie? Dude, I'd go to Austra- like give me a line to say. I'll say it in Australian. Uh, the, I, I just had sex with an eighteen year old. I'll just had sex with the eighteen year old. Yeah, no, that's horrible. <laughs> so uh, it proves my point. I think because they're Australians in particular, because they there aren't a lot of movies, Australian movies. Right. They learn American accents very early on, and they all move to L.A. when they're eighteen. Yeah. So they learn it. They pick it up pretty fast. Whereas Americans don't really need to learn foreign accents because there's so many op- so much opportunity in America. That's a good point. I never thought about. Anyhow, that. Anyhow, here's the back to the gay conversion movie. Here's my feeling: if an alien came down from uh, somewhere and landed on the U.S. today in Hollywood, it's all the movie lineup. Or TV lineup, they would assume that like gay oppression is like a, the leading category film, film category for for theatrical and TV release. Uh, we're gonna talk about another gay movie for Netflix. This is a Netflix gonna be a Netflix, I think, funded movie. This one, there is so much funding behind. Uh, I think you mentioned before the show you should get into some gay shit, and I think <laughs> I want to say yes as if you haven't already. You might want to frame that in the yes, proper yes. context. <laughs> uh, but I mean, literally, there's so much push for gay material in Hollywood right now. Last several years, that they're like you know that movie that almost won the Oscar last year is the gay French the gay French love movie. Yeah. By the way, it's always about young teen. It's always about teenage gay stuff now. 
There was this movie earlier this year, I want to say called Kiss Me, Simon. It was something like that about a teenage boy's first coming out, first kiss. Do you think the, the people watching this, because it's always like a young twink. Yes. Is this like kind of like soft porn for gay guys? Twinks are in. I sent you that article. Twinks are in. Twinks are the future. Because, um, see, my problem is I don't, I don't think I can pull off gay very well. Well, if I was, so if I was like, if I were gay, I feel like I'd have to watch this movie, right? I feel like this is my, this is like my Jew watching Schindler's List, right? This is like my oppression. This is my gay. Like if you're black, you have to watch Twelve Years a Slave, or you have to watch these movies, or Selma. You can't be black and not say I in Hollywood. Know, I don't know if I agree with you. This. Have to, you might have to lie, but you can't. If, like if you're if you're a black actor, actress in Hollywood, they're going to ask you what you what you thought of of uh, Selma. You can't say I haven't seen it. Okay, right, right, or Twelve Years a Slave, or whatever it is. There's certain seminal like oppression of your class movies you have to watch. Right, right. That's why the whole joke back in Seinfeld days was like how we got caught making out in Schindler's List by funny. his cousin, <laughs> because it was like it was almost like a religious experience. You're supposed to go there and like it's like a you know going to the Holocaust Museum. So if you're if you're gay, you have to watch the gay conversion movie where the, the kid is oppressed and probably commits you know wants to commit suicide and all this other stuff. Because you have to be able to say you're supporting that concept. That makes sense. But again, that's still a very small, that's still a relatively small audience. I don't know who else goes to see this movie, but I do know that it's going to win, it's going to have Oscar buzz. It has Oscar buzz. It has, no one's seen it yet. It already has Oscar buzz on it. Dude, it's hilarious to me. This could be an unintentionally funny movie because why didn't the writers make him like 13? He's like a nineteen. He's like a well, fully grown ass man. It's it was based on the memoir. This memoirs apparently were very hot. Like everybody in the intelligentsia read these memoir, the biography. So you can't change it that much because you'd be, you know, well, what the fuck, mutilating is- a story that everyone said touched him more than any story ever. But wh- he's nineteen. I agree. He's what be if so- he was thirty five? Would that not be weird? <laughs> like at what point do you? <laughs> I, I, I not go to a camp. I agree. And you and I talked about this before. Like the movie, the documentary Jesus Camp, where they're saying the kids to Jesus Camp in Missouri. Yeah. I love that documentary. To me, that's like seeing kids being put, seeing legitimate kids being pushed into the shit uh, is to me, that's an interesting story. If right. this kid was 12 and his parents ripped him out of middle school and forced him to go to gay conversion camp because they saw him kissing a boy or something like that, that to me is a legitimate story. Yeah. But you're right. When he's six feet tall, 180, and he's 19. It's <laughs> like he, the oldest man to ever <laughs> attend a camp. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, they do have. I think they have gay conversion camps for all ages, but it seems to me it's like volunteer. It's you volunteer yourself to go, right? For some reason, you you you're 35 and you think like you don't you, you know whatever you have a born again moment. And you think being gay is wrong. I don't know what it is. You might send yourself to these places, but it's got to be a small, very very small number of people. Yeah, I can't. This feels like one of those like ABC News specials about a phenomenon that isn't really a phenomenon. Like that, they're like yeah. twelve. It's like twelve people around the country, and they, you know, like it's like Ebola, basically like Ebola. At the end of the day, like one person got Ebola out of three hundred twenty million people, right? And it was like a huge. Everyone's getting Ebola now. This can't be a big thing. Well, any th- any deal where any any situation where it's like okay, I can send you right now. Do you have an email address? Ten peer reviewed scientific studies stating that uh, a being gay is uh, inherent. Right, that, that you can't change it, and B, that, uh, I don't know, camps, you just can't convert anyone in a camp, or, or whatever. You, you get my point. So, I bet so, so, like, why is it a movie when it's so easily debunked? Like, I don't have any sympathy for the guy, because he sounds like a fucking moron. I would just, I was just thinking of a big money-making thing. If you pretend to be run a gay conversion camp, I bet you could get huge amounts of fundraising from, like, 
the born again crowd. <laughs> Imagine how much money you could get if you say you run a uh, convert, gay conversion camp out in Bakersfield or some shit like that. I would love if we could do a segment for the show where we pretend to be gay and go to the camp. So, like, what do they do? Like, these are boobs. I got a better idea. To Jerk be- off to these boobs. Like, how do you how do you teach someone not to be gay? To be more realistic, let's send Brian. <laughs> Undercover. Yeah. He's got the tank top. He's already got the tank Sorry, top. Sorry, Brian. Yes. <laughs> the facial hair. I'll pay for it. Let's send Brian. They would tell it. Oh, look, they, from 15 feet away, be like, son, come here. We're going to fix you. <laughs> like, I think a he's. Wire or something? How would it I, don't, I think they could probably. Too far like, gone. Yeah, would, I don't know. It's would just, I be shirtless throughout the ordeal? Or? This feels oh, like an ideally. 80s. The wire. <laughs> this feels like an 80s. A gay conversion feels like an 80s oppression thing, doesn't it? it oh, I thought like you were going to say an 80s uh, comedy starring no. like Steve Gutenberg. <laughs> it would be too. But it feels like an 80s. This feels like a throwback, like a victimization, victim card thing. I feel like in the in like the seventies and eighties, like gay conversion could have been like a real thing, like it was a real scare for young gay men. I feel like at nineteen, most kids feel they're clear. Well, Brian can pass for nineteen. Oh yeah, he totally could. He's the fu- <laughs> the twink is the future. He's the, he's the future. Don't make fun of him. All right, man, I gotta get off the uh, gay conversion stuff. Yeah. It is the most idiotic thing. I think. Uh, uh, here's my guess: it makes two million dollars at the box office. It costs three million, four million dollars to make. It makes two million dollars at the box office, and it is. Mentioned but does not win Best Picture of the Year award. Although uh, Egerton will win an award for writing for sure. It gets and nominated. It gets nominated for Best Picture for sure. He probably wins uh, Adapted Screenplay, and he's, and he's mentioned as Best Director. I'm just going to go right there. It's a big, huge, it's a huge win, a huge win for him and Fat Russell Crowe. And it loses money, but Sony or whatever is, is going to tout it on there and like humanitarian. Oh, yeah. oh fucking- my God. It's gonna be like it's gonna be next year's uh, whatever that Arnie Hammer uh, kisses Timothy Charmolaya lay movie by the by the pool. So I can tell that was just a Cinemax film with with gay guys. Yeah, I didn't see it, but it it was like an old gay guy fucking a young gay guy. Well, right? they were both of age. It was like a, a I think it, well in France. I think one was seventeen, one was like twenty three or twenty four. Oh, and uh, no, I thought he was older. No, uh, no, he was like one was like a law school grad, and one was like a just going to college age kid. Did you see this movie? No, but I saw so many highlights because it won so many awards. And uh, are you accusing me of watching gay French films? And uh, I would, <laughs> but it's just about their first love, about his, the kid's first love, falling in love. No, I'd would w- watch it. No, I wouldn't. I okay, just, I Matt, let me ask you about Good. something, Brian. Sorry, real quick, do you yes. want to get a pizza? Or uh, sure. Uh, yeah, I'll slice. Why don't you get a bigger a large one? one? Okay, sure. Okay. All right, we're still rolling. Oh, good. Uh, Matt, we, we should keep that, by the way. <laughs> yes. Sorry. Yeah. Matt, I know you spend four to six hours a day in Starbucks. <laughs> Is that your place? Not intentionally. Uh, not intentionally. So I got the desktop. The great thing, I don't. Here's the thing about Starbucks. Like, there's always a line at Starbucks. I've never walked into Starbucks where there's not a line. So I know they're doing, and they're opening up more and more Starbucks every single day. And internationally, they're just killing it. So I know the Starbucks is making a huge, and you can just look at the, how much money they're making. They're making money hand over fist. Once people bought into the idea that you should pay four bucks for a cup of coffee, and that it had to be a Seattle based, had to be a Seattle based chain for some reason. Yeah, I'm not sure why. I'm not sure why Seattle, where obviously they don't produce any coffee, became the coffee iconographic coffee location. I never understood it either. I don't drink coffee, but. Um it is very much part of the the culture there. I mean, maybe because it's cold and people think like it's cold in fucking New Hampshire. Like dude. People always say to me like, "Do you want to get a coffee?" I'm like, I'm "Like, no, I don't." <laughs> like, why, why? I think it came up with the grunge. It came up with the grunge music sound, right? Was like the whole idea of coffee. Although I'm not sure any of those people drank coffee, but it became like a counterculture, a hip. It became a hip thing to drink coffee. 
Right. Like the coffee house. The coffee house. Going back, they would do uh, music, like indie. Yeah, and like in the movie, was it Singles? Singles. They did it in the coffee shop a lot. And I think Starbucks started off as like that sort of hip coffee house place with indie music kind of stuff, that vibe. Yeah. And then when it got to like 80,000 chains, it just became some mega, mega corporate thing selling like three dollar four dollar ralph's muffins that they resell for four but the bucks. people that go there still think it's like a family-owned business it's cool know. well the one thing they have going for them is that a people will pay four bucks for a cup of coffee that's filled with sugar basically a milkshake with co- a milkshake with coffee in it and uh and just get diabetes as fast as possible and they also have uh, they do work through their line very fast so they've got an assembly line process where they can get through like orders really fast so you can actually stand in line and get your coffee why or drive through even now why don't you just like again, I don't. I might drink coffee a couple times a year if I'm super tired or whatever. But couldn't you just make the coffee? Like it seems like yes. a waste of time. It's a huge. Uh, people always used to make their own coffee, or they would stop in at like Seven Eleven get that crappy black coffee. Like right. a truck driver is not going to. Truck drivers aren't long haul truckers aren't stopping at Starbucks for coffee. <laughs> right. They're going to get the black mud. Right, just keep himself awake. <laughs> right. Which is why people drank coffee in the army or everywhere else was to stay awake. Right. It was if you're till, if you if you have a job where you. Work long hours, you need coffee. You just need caffeine. That was the only source of caffeine 50 years ago. There was no five-hour energy drinks or fucking Mountain Dews or right. you know, Red Bulls. You had coffee. That was your Fairly drink. like a utilitarian thing. Yeah, it's a, work, it's a proletariat worker coffee. You have to work long hours. You have coffee, black, co- black coffee, not with sugar. But somehow they convinced people that it was hip and cool to go get coffee and carry the Starbucks cup to work. I love how people like, if you work in an office where there's like free Pete's coffee... They'll have like free peats or some other reasonably good coffee, and people will still walk in with the Starbucks coffee in the morning. Like, <laughs> like I just paid five bucks for a Starbucks coffee, wait in lines, pay five bucks for Starbucks coffee. By the way, there's free peats coffee at the office. That's just a dick. That's just to me. That's like you're just a dick at that point. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a waste of money, but I'm. It's a stat. It's a. I don't really care about wasting money so much, but it just seems like a huge waste of time. Beca- like you got to park. I think it's an addiction at this point. I would call it an addiction. Like, right. it's a routine addiction, just like people used to eat scrambled eggs and bacon for breakfast, whatever it is. Now they just go get their $5 cup of Starbucks tall Frappuccino fucking ice cream <laughs> blend, whatever it is. And by the way, it's loaded with caffeine and sugar, so I imagine it feels really good when you drink it in the morning. If you're tired in the morning, you drink, like, a 1,000 calories of sugar and a double load of coffee, you're going to be up, like, right away. <laughs> so I imagine it feels really good. But the one thing people don't talk about at Starbucks often, well, they do, I guess, is they have... It's a lounge area, right? And they... People, everyone's in there with, on their laptops, hanging out for hours, plugged in. Free wi- you get free Wi-Fi, comfy chairs, and a toilet. And the whole, <laughs> the whole deal was that you get that, but you've got to buy like, a cup of coffee for three bucks. Yeah. Or you've got to buy a fucking chocolate chip muffin for $2.50 or whatever else. When I'm like, whatever, out, out around town or in, a, in another city especially, if I go to a coffee shop, I don't, even if I don't want anything, I'll buy like an iced tea or something. I, I just feel like it's, it's a social contract. Yes. I think pe- most people feel like you should not hang out in a, in a business, let alone start taking a, sh- a shit in their, in their crapper right. without paying three bucks to at least pay for the people that have to clean up, out, <laughs> clean up after <laughs> you. But people just are already parked in Starbucks. They're holding meetings there. Everyone holds meetings there. They meet people there. They're working on their next great screenplay. The kids, are, you know, t- college kids are doing their homework there. What do you think the average visit time of, of someone who actually sits down? An, at least an hour. At least. At least an hour. Yeah. Yeah. If they're alone, it's three hours. <laughs> if they're meeting like a friend, it's 45 minutes. But I've seen people parked in there. You go back. If you go back at the same time, say they're still there. But why? Well, it's, first of all, it's nicer than where they live. 
<laughs> Second of all, you got a free you got a free to- you got a free bathroom that they keep clean, and you got the smell of coffee, and you can buy food if you want there. Or and they got a, you got a comfy fucking lounge chair guaranteed for you. Well, you're not really selling me on it too much. And because- Wi-Fi, by the way, probably better than at your apartment. Well, even if your apartment sucks, you have you still have a bathroom, and yeah, you, you could make coffee but there, it's, and it's, you probably have the internet. So yeah, but it's like most I don't know. I lived in a lot of shitty apartments. Starbucks is nice in a lot of places I lived, and also again, there's it's kept clean. Someone else cleans it for you. It's like true. It's clean, and occasionally a hot chick might walk in yeah, once in a while. It's true. It's kind of a bustle, and you feel like you're doing something too. Like you're not locked in your apartment. I don't know. There seem to be a lot of people working on screenplays. In, Ho- in Hollywood, everyone's working on screenplay at Starbucks. <laughs> uh, so now they had the incident in Philadelphia where a barista like, saw two black dudes who were not buying anything, who were just hanging out, like chit-chatting, I guess, and basically told them to leave because they were loitering. You know, and then the co- they didn't want to leave. There was a fuss. They called the cops. The cops manhandled them because they're black people. They manhandled them, of course, cuffed them and walked them out. <laughs> and then there's a whole Starbucks. The mark of, to me, the mark of bad leadership is overreaction. Yeah. If you're like a leader or a manager and there's a problem and you overreact, that's an instant sign that you're a horrible leader. <laughs> because to me, the sign of great leadership is being able to be, have a rational response to things and even under-respond in certain cases. A, horrible, a, hor- a person who should not be in charge is the overreactor. Right. And that seems to be what Starbucks did. So an overreaction to this, they're closing all their Starbucks on May 29th. Sorry, Matt. You'll have to move your sleeping bag, <laughs> your, your little, your little uh, Coleman camper the, unit <laughs> you have in the, inside the Starbucks. Uh, were the guys uh, that they kicked out, were they actually homeless or they were just black No, guys? they were just black dudes who s- said they were there meeting, uh, having a, meet- a business meeting, oh. like to meet up about work. They didn't know each other. I think they met on some thing and they were meeting there. For- People meet, like, if you don't know someone, you meet them off craigslist or somewhere else or something so these guys didn't do anything wrong really they did nothing wrong but they did not they did not they were not paying customers they were hanging out there and they said they were going to get later we're going to get something to eat or drink okay which is like you know that's a tough call i guess because you know you can just put up there's no sign says you must buy some within five minutes and then again if you went to like any other restaurant and said we're just going to hang here for half an hour until we order every other restaurant would be upset too right because they just no yeah yeah just hang out you can't come to rocco's and just hang out at the table and watch sports and not order a drink for half an hour. Oh, we're going right. to get a drink like in maybe 45 minutes from now, if that's okay with you guys. Any bar would kick you out, Which right? is why it's always hilarious if you're watching a playoff game or something. There's the row of losers standing outside yeah. the bar <laughs> yes. staring into it because yeah. they understand this rule. Yeah. And yeah. instead of buying a $2 Coors Light, they've, they've deemed that they'd rather stand on the sidewalk. You ever go to, like, in college, we used to go to the all-you-can-eat wing place for, like, dinner? Because it was like, it was free wings. You had to buy, the deal was you had to buy drinks. Right, right. So you'd buy like one beer, and then you'd eat like 40 wings for dinner. <laughs> so yeah. you have to buy a <laughs> dinner. But you didn't go in there, just, even as broke college because you knew not to go in there just eat free food, free happy hour food. Right. It's just like, it's stealing. You're basically stealing. Yeah. And now for a $2 beer, you could eat like 40 chicken wings and feel good about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but at least that was a deal. The restaurant knew what was going on. Right. Uh, so Starbucks is closing May 29th for racial, pro- racial inclusion training for all their baristas. Which seems to me is like important, and yet there's ten other things more important to teach the baristas, like how to like lose your ear gauge when you're at work, not to wear nose rings when you're serving food, hair nets, yeah. hair nets would be a good idea, I think, once in a while. Um, Are they? Uh, I, I like how Starbucks is obviously they're they're trying to come off as the, this beacon of progressiveness, but I wonder if the uh, baristas are getting paid for the whole day. Yeah, I assume they're getting paid. Oh. It's a lo- It's a loss. It's a loss. Financial loss from which is an overreaction because again, as far as I can tell, there's, 
Starbucks is a very progressive company, or at least fancies itself. You know, cor- big corporations will be so progressive. Yeah. But they fancy themselves. They have a lot of po- very progressive policies. And if you ever visit a Starbucks, you know their baristas are all young, hipster, young 20-something hipsters with uh, body, body art and jewelry. They seem very liberal, if you might, might describe them. Right. So there's probably not. And they have, I think, 8,000 locations in the United States. And they have one incident of someone racial profiling somebody. And by the way, that barista is probably like fairly harmless on the scale of, <laughs> of racists, I'm sure. So it wasn't like there's a endemic, plaguing thing. It's not like they're like you know uh, some chain that has had this like thing going on for years and years of belittling black or minority people. This was just a big thing that caught news, so they're overreacting. So the new policy that came out with yesterday, Matt, was like to avoid this conflict in the future. They're now going to allow vagrants and loiterers and anybody who wants to hang out in Starbucks not pay for anything and hang out as much as they want and use the toilets whenever they want to. So they may as well just, on every Starbucks, just hang a huge billboard that says, like, homeless encampment. Yes. Yes. <laughs> homeless encampment, uh, vagrants, loiterers, all welcome. And the thing that struck me about this that no one seemed to care about or notice was that their solution, I mean, I don't think they were, ra- I don't think they're a racist company by any means. Their solution to the problem seems racist to me in the fact they said, like, we have a problem with racial profiling minorities. Therefore, we're just going to tell people who have no money and are vagrants that they can hang out in Starbucks to avoid the problem, thereby connecting minorities to vagrants and malingerers who might come in. That's yeah. basically what they're saying is like, okay, so we don't have to have this issue with our baristas hassling minorities anymore. We're going to say people who have no money and are broke ass can come and hang out. They're out. essentially saying that most black people are homeless. Yeah, or that their, their problem with <laughs> non-paying customers are all minorities. Right, right. And, uh, then, and, 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 two, and the second thing they've done, like you said, is they open up their Starbucks now they used to have clean toilets and everything else to like lines of homeless people just urinating there and hanging out and sleeping on the couches. And then, of course, they're going to have to at some point start kicking people out because it's going to get disgusting. And now they've sort of hung by their own little idea here. Yeah. Now they're going to have the whole new set of conflicts of who do they allow to actually hang out for free and who don't they like the drug addicted, like guy talking to himself. Does he get to hang out? <laughs> you know, like, no, it's a, I mean, it's an interesting question. Like, who do you kick out? Well, I think. The reason they had that you must buy something to hang out here policy or use our toilets is not because Starbucks needs more money. It's to exclude homeless people. It's to exclude people that are broke yeah. and, and want to just hang out for free. Like a three, it's, a three dollar, it's like a $3 cover charge. Well, <laughs> right? It's hilarious. Yeah, it's true. And there's no other business, by the way. There's no other business, uh, hospitality business, that allows people to hang out for free. Well, aren't there... I mean, there's a lot of things here, but I know there's codes. So, like, if you're a business... And you get uh, a thousand people a day coming through your doors. You have to allot a certain amount of toilets, uh, like per. You can't have a uh, a you have twenty thousand square foot bar and have one stall. It's it's not. No, legal. there's probably it's probably there's probably a code for that. And also, you have to have you have to have a restroom facility if you're serving food or drinks. Right. You have to have that. But there's clearly been a rule forever that's been tested over and over again that you don't have to allow people off the street to use your facilities for free yeah i think they might have fucked up on this one i think they fucked up big time i think they way overreacted now i mean first of all the criticism online the jokes online are 99.9 percent against starbucks <laughs> with everyone just saying like we're great you just let all the homeless vagrants in this doesn't seem to solve the racial profiling problem at all and they've just made the barista put the baristas in position of like having to deal with homeless right now, now they like if i have any questions about homelessness i'm going directly to starbucks <laughs> because 
you know, like in Southern California, there's like these huge hepatitis outbreaks uh, because homeless people are, um, you know, using the street as a restroom. Yes. Um, so I'm like, I guess this is now on you, Starbucks. By the way, Starbucks is about 90% like this already. Just because a $2 or $3 cover charge isn't a lot of money. And people will hang out all day long. They'll find the way to buy like the, 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 the you know the small iced tea or whatever the fuck it is, right. and then sleep there basically for eight hours. So they never kick they never kick anybody out that I've ever seen for, for hanging out as long as they bought something. So now you just lowered the cover charge from two bucks to zero, and you put the baristas like are now gonna have to go like is this guy too drug addicted? Is he too <laughs> talking to himself for me to kick out? What am I allowed to do? Yeah. I gotta go interact with all these people. No one's gonna want to sit next to them. They're, Starbucks have provide very limited seating inside, so they don't. They're not expansive. They're always smaller locations. They might have like 15 seats, and now you got a homeless guy who stinks in here. Yeah, I, it's huge. I, I think I, the, like the the coffee bean and tea leaf should now go like full the other way, <laughs> like dress like shirt and shoes. Like you must have a tie on. Ten dollar minimum purchase to use our toilet. Because honestly, you know, I'm not an elitist, but I I think I would actually prefer to go there. Yeah. Well, I mean, I. Again, don't see how this doesn't just hurt Starbucks, and they just completely overreacted. So I'm never going there again until I finish using all $300 of Starbucks gift cards I still have remaining <laughs> from past, from past uh, Little League coach. You know when you're a Little League coach, what you get for gift? Starbucks cards. Like you get the team gift at the end, it's always a Starbucks card. Very, so I, very disappointing. I think I still have 300 bucks with a Starbucks card. The lamest gift card I can imagine. All right, Matt, we got an email. It's a personal email for you from Steve. We don't often get personal emails because we're, we're not very personable people. Uh, Steve wants to know, is it true that Matt cried during the royal wedding? So I ask you again, Matt, how many hours of royal wedding coverage did you, did you watch, and what, at what point did you start tearing up? Yeah, I'm not trying to sound too cool for school or anything. Yes. But I honestly did not see any, anything that happened. You watched, You were not one of the 29 million Americans who watched the royal wedding live on one... One or more channels? No, and if you're one of those people, fuck you, you're a bad person. My theory, so they, they said they estimate, I don't know where they come, come up with these estimates, that three billion people around the world watched the Royal Wedding. Yeah. I think it seems like a made-up number, but what the fuck? That was my idea. Did you see, have you seen the Avengers, the second Avengers? No. Oh. Uh, well, I don't want to spoil things now, but it's been a month. Thanos, the bad guy, wants to destroy half the people in the universe to make the universe better. He's, his whole plan is I'm going to just kill half the people in the universe to make the universe it's better. Really shitty writing. It's a shitty okay. plan, I admit. But it's so half the people in the earth die. <laughs> no spoiler alert. And uh, I think I figured out the half that should die. It's the three billion people that watched the royal wedding. Just yeah. imagine what a better world we'd have if the three billion people disappeared one day. I agree. My my f- um, oh god, uh, a, f- a female friend of mine uh, was like super excited about watching it. So I'm like, okay, so what? What you want to do is vicariously live through inbred people whose relatives committed major atrocities yes. across the world. Some may or may not have supported the Nazis at times. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> and, and actually dressed up like them, uh, if, if you needed any more proof of that. Um, so I'm like, so you want to be a person who taxpayers subsidize a, a pointless ceremony for? Uh, I don't, that, I don't that, like you. How'd that argument go over? Uh, <laughs> I mean, we're still friends, I guess, but I, I don't see any other way. Like, if, if that's what you like, want to vicariously uh, um, associate with and fantasize about, you're a cunt. Wow. Wow. I felt like you did for a little while, Matt, leading up to the wedding and all the people that were talking about it. And then I realized that I'm not going to... Women love weddings for whatever reason. 
Women love if you ever go to because a wedding, they get a bunch of free shit. Yeah, they just love women love weddings, and the whole thing. The funny thing about me about like they're trying to spin like Meghan Markle, like this whole thing is a, a big female. Everything has to be spun as female empowerment these days. Yeah. So they had to spin this as a big female empowerment moment. How like she is like this is a very independent woman. She's not. This is not like a woman plucked off the streets to marry the prince. This is a woman who comes. This is a very independent, empowered woman. And I thought, well, no, actually. A woman who quits her job to marry an unemployed rich guy, is not, that's not an empowering story. Like, she had a job. She's been working for the last seven years on a TV show. He has no job that I can tell, but he's gloriously rich and famous, right? He's a prince, royal prince. There's just no way that's an empower, a female empowerment story to quit your job and move into the mansion in, in England. That's just not... I mean, maybe I would... By the way, I would do that in a heartbeat if I were a woman. But that's just not an empowering moment for ladies. No, it isn't. And especially, which I was thinking about, like, there's obviously a ton of uh, lazy whores that would marry the super ugly prince, right? But um, I don't think it's as many as you would think because at this really? point, in, well, in terms of it not being empowering, oh, yes. you can't hold a job at this point. No. You're only a fucking uh mascot that that makes public appearances. Yeah, she gave up a so like an independent woman would not find this appealing. No, she gave, and by the way, she's been married before. So she's you know, it's not it's not like she's a young a young uh a virgin who's like enamored like twinkle in her eye, enamored of this whole idea. Right. She, she's a 30 she's not 19-year-old newcomer. She's a 36 or 37-year-old divorcee. So this is like a you know, she's basically giving up she's an independent woman with a great career giving that up to Wave, wave at the wave at parades. I'm sure she talks about all the charity work she'll do and all the other stuff, and that's great. I'm sure she will. But this is not it's not empowering the ladies. Did you cry, Matt? Just tell me you cried. <laughs> I, I, so my point was, I, I don't. I'm, I decided at some point I had all this anger and animosity, like you did, towards women who were excited about this, and then I realized that like, I watch porn, <laughs> and this is just female porn, basically. It, it, a royal wedding to women is just porn. It's just titillation for no apparent reason and I just I, I have a rule I don't make fun of what people watch for porn because I don't want to be judged myself so yeah. this is kind of like judging women on their porn I mean basically is what you're talking about they were excited about like men are when they talk about like you know uh, Jenna Jameson doing double double anal <laughs> well but if you're if your porn is I'm but isn't porn all vicarious living isn't that what are, it is I'm going to be celebrated for being in a relationship and I, I need the adornment of strangers and I need a, like some other person to spend a shitload of money on me so I can feel special. I yeah. don't think that's, um, I guess it's a fair, it's a princess. It's a princess fairy tale. It's a fairy tale thing. I get it. It's just, an, and I don't even mind. It's the thing that bothers me about the whole empowerment slogan is when it's used for clearly non empowering moments. There are empowering moments for women. Women, first woman, whatever. First woman, so and so. Woman wins, whatever. Woman, you know, graduates, PhD, engineering, starts computer firm. Very empowering. Marrying, quitting your job to marry a, a rich guy, <laughs> just not, just not empowering. So you have to be a little selective in what you're calling as women, as, as inspirational for women. And if we're talking about empowerment, um, let's just forget about the history of this fucking retarded institution. But. <laughs> yes. um, so who's in charge? Who who has a higher ranking in this ridiculous, um, fucktard situation? The king or the queen? Well, the queen. She's in charge. But if there was a king, he'd be in charge of her. 
Uh, well, the king would. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, they. If you've watched The Crown, Matt, uh, <laughs> you would know that like a hundred years, hundred years ago, or hundred fifty years ago, they changed it. So there weren't queens before. There were never queens before that. The queens had to be some strange arrangement. But they now allow it to pass on to the, the daughters and the family. So, like, if the daughter is the eldest, they can now become the, ro- the ruler. So, like, if someone's king or queen, but only if there's not an available man. No, no, the elder, the elder will become the ruler. Oh, really? They change that like it's a modern thing. They change it as a modern thing. Oh, well, so, but it doesn't matter because they're all male. The the the, the heirs are now all males anyhow. Because so they killed all the daughters, <laughs> no, they didn't. babies. They, they didn't kill the daughter babies. <laughs> Sorry, I, to me, I don't the, really know what I'm talking about. To me, about. the only uh, to me, the, uh, you won't get not going to admit you cried. The, the, to me, the only interesting part of this story, which is really interesting actually, is that the most whitest inbred, rich royal family in all of Europe now has a, a biracial a woman entering the family. I which, thought that was the whole story. I don't it, see any other story. There is no coverage of that. What I mean, there's some coverage on. If you look at like uh, black magazines, uh, like or black online magazines, they're covering that as a big thing. But nobody else in the mainstream press is covering the fact that like the single whitest family in all of Europe is now has a biracial former Nazi thim- uh, yes. sympathizers. To me, that's a big story, and it's actually a, a kind of a nice story. It's kind of like the actual nice part about this whole story, right? Is that they're allowing this to happen because like just fifty years ago, they wouldn't even allow a divorced person, divorced white person, to marry into the family. Yeah, I, w- I would have assumed every headline is. Uh, if you want to say African American or whatever, but you know a black uh, a black princess like that's never happened before. No, it's never happened before. And I, I was writing about that on social media, and someone said like, "Why would you, would you make? Why is that even a big deal?" I'm like, "It's just a big deal because if, if, if there was a mixed mixed cultural family, it wouldn't be a big deal at all in 2018 to have a black someone marry, a white guy married a black guy. Black one's not a news story anymore. But in the whitest family in Europe, I said, my comparison was, if Jeff, Jeff Sessions shows up with a black girlfriend, <laughs> it's going to be a story. Yeah, it's, I was going to say, if the KKK elects, a uh, a, you know, uh, Samuel L. Jackson as their next president <laughs> yes. of the chapter, it's, I think that's newsworthy. Yeah, but that's the one thing nobody... I, I would have I cried if people would have covered that, Matt. I didn't watch any of the Royal Wedding myself. As a child, I was a young child. I was duped into watching the Princess Diana thing because uh, I think I was forced by <laughs> family members to wake up at, at way too young an age to watch six hours of some woman getting married. And it's just, here's the thing: men don't like weddings. There's nothing about weddings that men like. Uh, there's nothing for a man in the weddings itself. The whole process. I mean, I don't really get it. I mean, Prince Harry has to do re- regal parade shit, all the dress up shit, all the time in his military uniform all the time. Right. But guys don't like. A getting dressed up, B huge public ceremony, huge public ceremonies. Hey, you've been fucking the same person for quite a while. Congratulations, <laughs> yes. you deserve a party. C they don't like being nice to their in laws or other people they don't know, <laughs> and D they don't like giving up their, uh, their their sexual their sexual future. They also don't like wasting money. No, and they don't like wasting money either. The whole thing there's nothing about a wedding that a man likes. So uh, any man besides Brian who watches a raw wedding, I'm not just not down with. <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> Share the story of gay conversion camp. <laughs> Matt, let me ask you. Uh, you wrote a review this past week on your website, MattRalston.net, about how you're the most rednecky, lowbrow food eater <laughs> ever in the history of, like, it was like a drunk Cockney guy writing about how he will only <laughs> eat, like, fish and chips for the rest of his life. So I no. want you to explain this. Thing about how you you it was it was defensive it was you called it defense of grilled cheese sandwiches yeah but it wasn't really that it was really your explanation of why people who buy anything at restaurants that is not super simple are basically assholes 
Yes. Would you please? Would you care to explain? Well, you got to play the odds. You know, like I, I, I do gamble on sports, but I and you lose usually. No, I, I, I win most of the time, but really? I don't. I don't do anything rash. By the way, everyone who gambles wins most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, people are liars except yes. for me. Okay. Um, because I. Well, anyway, we could talk about that later. Uh, so, uh, uh, I'm like I look at Anthony Bourdain's show. And he's like, oh, these muscles, this mucusy fucking sea urchin creature is delicious. And I'm like, okay, maybe it is. But you got to look at the safe bet. So anytime you go into a restaurant, like here at Rocco's, I'm sure they have something like salmon on the menu. Um, and maybe it's good. Maybe it's not. But you don't want to fuck with it. You want to get the safest option. Yes. So, because I'd rather have... Uh, 10 okay experiences at a restaurant than than one bad one out of the 10. You don't believe in experimenting with food. <laughs> Brian just experimented with, with food all over the floor. <laughs> um, uh, we just lost our pizza here. I take back. Brian, you don't have to go to conversion camp anymore. I know it's weighing on your mind. Brian's really you're all over the place today. Uh, uh, no, I, I don't think you should go for the... You always order the safe... What you're saying is you always order the safe bet. The safest simple, bet. Safest simple bet. Safest bet possible. Do not order any shrimp, um, even, uh, unless you're at a shrimp restaurant um, that only sells shrimp. Um, like, definitely never order shrimp. Um, like At Hooters? Do, My friend did it at Hooters one time. He ordered, he ordered shrimp. We were at Hooters years ago. And uh, I think it was his first time at Hooters, and he ordered, like, the seafood platter. <laughs> I <was> like, <laughs> now, I know they fry everything there, so it's going to be at least health-wise probably safe. But I'm like, dude, you can't go to Hooters or order the seafood. No, <laughs> you, you can't. I, I had a very similar thing. At, I was at Big Wang's, uh, which is a bar here in uh, Los they closed, Angeles. closed closed recently. Oh, really? Yeah, they closed it down. Good. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Finally. <laughs> Finally. So I go... This is kind of when I formed this theory. Uh, we were there watching a game with a couple. Uh, was with a couple of my buddies, and I said, "I think I'm going to order the salmon dill wrap." <laughs> and my <laughs> friend said, looked at me dead in the eye, and said, "I want you to order that." Yes. And uh, then I didn't. I did. I ordered some chicken wings or something. But uh, yeah, just don't. You don't want to roll the dice. Like Bourdain's always, and and these foodie type people that that think that they're um, very sophisticated. You know, they're like. Uh, Oh, you know, have you tried the, uh, you know, the cod uh, or the fucking liver fucking pork belly? And like, um, no, no, I'm going to get a, a cheese pizza. And in, in this scenario, and, and this is the only aspect of my life in which I believe this, I'm just playing it safe. I'm just, I'm totally cool with being the status quo guy at a restaurant. But I think this reeks of uh, classism, Matt. And usually classism is usually snobby people making fun of poor-ass, broke-ass people. Mm-hmm. This feels like you doing the reverse. It's exactly what Where this is. is like your street cred. Is I'm like, too good to, for the fancy stuff. <laughs> yes. <You're too> good. <laughs> and I agree with you mostly in that like every, most every time I go to an expensive restaurant, I'm disappointed because I'm like, once you pay like, once you pay 30 bucks for a meal or 40 bucks for a meal or even 20 bucks for a meal, you're like, going to judge it really harshly. Right. Whereas if you go to like a place and get like a six dollar five dollar burger, six dollar burger, if it's not the best burger ever, 
Or the, you get the fucking end, the end piece of the tomato, which I hate, like the fucking core end of the tomato. They yeah, why you. can't they figure that out? <laughs> it's just, they do, they do that. They don't do that at the $20 hamburger place, but at the $5 hamburger place, you get the end of the tomato. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you know, that's kind of dicky, but it's a $5 burger. I'm okay with that. Yeah. But if I went to the $20 burger place, then I have to complain. They have to let them know, like, dude, why'd you give me the fucking core of the vegetables? Or why is this burger not cooked like I asked it to be cooked? All that kind of shit. I'm with you on that. You go to the fancy... Ra- it, it pisses me off when they charge extra for the sides. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'll just... I'll get this fucking uh, fish. I'm like, all right. Like, you're charging me extra. Do you know what a meal is, you fuckers? <laughs> like... But this sounds to me more like you're taking it to the level of, like, you're just angry at, like, people who, who pay more for, for, for food. Yeah. Like, this is your thing, like, where you're going to drink just, like, Thunderbird wine and just make fun of everybody else. You're the guy who has to go to Costco and get, like, look, I got the 50-pound mayonnaise. You, I can't believe you guys pay full price for mayonnaise. No. Like, this I'm, is I'm, a little overly thrifty of you. It's, uh, like, you're on see, the other. you got to understand, like, there's the obnoxious people who feet snobs on one end, and you're, like, put yourself on the exact opposite end of the pole. It is ironic, and it's... It is beating them at their own game. Yes, um, but it's it's just not about the money. It's it's like I don't mind wasting money. It's I, I hate the um, the pretension of it. Like the, a, a waiter, I, like I don't care if you're nice. Right. I don't give a fuck. Just bring. Just get the order right. That's right. your entire job. Like, and then you order for dates when you go on dates. You order for dates and the same style. Like you like, and she'll have the plain cheese sandwich <laughs> with mustard. <laughs> <laughs> Please, just bread, cheese, and mustard. <laughs> That's what she wants. And if she orders something complicated, like you're like, N- uh, no, no, Dude, you can't if, have that. Look, if a place is known for something, I'm trying yes. to think of a of a, a f- fucking foie gras, or they they have the best. Yes. Um, uh, so if you go to like an actual seafood place, it's known for its seafood. You might get like the clams, or the oysters, or shit like that if it's known for. Like, I would personally never get that. No. I don't even think that's food. <laughs> I was reading a book about. Um, uh, Herman Melville. So the the book Moby Dick is based on um, a real story. These yes. sperm whales they get super aggressive because they butt heads in the water. They they you know they mating alpha, stuff. alpha yes. male shit. Um, and so uh, there was this group of whalers, and they uh, the Moby Dick, the real whale, attacked their boat, and so they were shipwrecked for a while. So on the bottom of the boat, this was what eighteenth nineteenth uh, century, yeah, mid nineteenth century. Um, so on the bottom of the boat, mussels started growing, and at that time, they were like, "Well, we're not we're not going to eat that. We are starving to yes. death." But and so they got really desperate, and they scraped off the mussels and ate them. Yes, and now those cost like four dollars each. <laughs> well, I mean, it wasn't that long ago. Dude, I'm old enough to remember when they gave away chicken wings at the store. <laughs> really? Literally nobody ate chicken. Nobody, I mean, they didn't give them away, but they were like 99 cents a pound. Right. Because nobody ate chicken wings because they have very little meat on them. Right. And so they, when they cut up chickens, they, people buy the breasts or the thighs or the drumsticks, and nobody wanted the chicken wings because what the fuck are you going to do with the chicken wing? It's, it's mostly bone and ligament. It has very little meat on it. Right. And then the whole buffalo chicken thing came around, the chicken wing at the sports bar, and now they're like... 10x price the most expensive chicken piece you can buy is now the wing it's kind of it's kind of the same idea although i will tell you that uh you know uh, uh, jewish people don't eat shellfish because shellfish are bottom they're bottom feeders so they actually shellfish this will make you even want shellfish less they consume the shit of other creatures i'm well aware of this they eat the waste so <laughs> it, you actually like can die from eating shellfish if you don't clean it properly not because shellfish gives off a cyanide poison, but because it's filled with the 
the poisons of the toxins of shit of other creatures that it eats. Right. So no, if you don't, that, you, don't clean, you, know, you know red tide. I mean, you're from the from the northwest. So you know what red tide is. Yes. When the months, algae. You, yeah, the months you can't actually eat shellfish because you will actually get sick and die from it. Yeah, it's not that. Uh, and I mean, to their credit, Jews have a lot of good ideas, but it's not that this was a genius idea. They just looked at a lobster and went, yes. "You're not supposed to fucking eat that." Yeah, it's eating. See the fish; they're shitting. Then it goes to the bottom <laughs> of the lobster eating the shit. And they also noticed the people that eating it were dying. We're getting, we're vomiting and dying. So yeah, you know, I mean, I always said I won't if if six months out of the year you're not allowed to eat that eat that yeah. item because it might kill you. Yeah, I'm just not eating the other six it's, months. It's, I'm not taking my chances. Completely agree. It's much too close for comfort. I'm like, is it, what was it? In R, this month and in R, I don't know. I'm gonna fucking die. I just I'm just dying now. Yeah, dude. So just grilled cheese sandwich, tomato soup, mozzarella sticks, amazing. Yes. Even, and people are like, you know, those are from Costco, right? I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I still good. Uh, yes, I do know that. Thank you. I think this is. I know all kinds of things you don't know. This is like reminds me a little bit of your lowbrow thing. You are a little bit like Anthony Bourdain in the sense that he is like a wealthy guy now, but he still like wears crappy clothing and goes around smokes cheap cigarettes and like he still lives that lifestyle of like the heroin addict. Right. Like that's still his thing even thirty years later. So I think you have a little Bourdain in you for much, as much as you're making fun of him. By the way, if you got paid to go eat that crap around the world, you'd probably do it too. He has to kind of put on a front mm, for that. I don't know, dude. He had to eat a pig's asshole in a, in a tribal um, <laughs> ceremony. I, there's a, this reminds me of the, there's a current study out that uh, Americans, uh, North, Americans, North Americans spend more time indoors than anywhere else in the world, any other countries in the world. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. And it was like, oh, my God, that's so horrible. I'm like, well, no, we have the best indoors in the world. <laughs> we actually have perfected indoors here. We have, like... Perfect temperatures, comfy, comfy furniture, digitally wired yeah, I'd spaces. M- much rather be indoors. Yeah, than outdoors. we live indoors because we made our indoors so nice. Yeah, and, and the, the Tutsi tribe doesn't live indoors in, in sub-Saharan Africa because their indoors is just shit huts filled with shits. I mean, with thatch roofs that leak and disease inside. So yes, yeah, so you're going to spend outdoors time when that's your when that's your home when you got a yeah if you six seventy one degrees set temperature. And I took a nap earlier today and and yeah I set the the AC even though I didn't need to uh, because I, I wanted yes. to put more blankets on. Yes, <laughs> indoors is aw- we made the best indoors. So we've also Americans have also perfected the crappy food. Right. We have perfected crappy food here, and people make fun of it. Well, you mentioned the Costco mozzarella sticks. You can get for a buck. You can get a lot of really good. I'm crap. not as as well traveled as you are. My brother in law, or however you say that, my sister's husband is uh, Norwegian. Yeah, and they they put like fucking smelt on their yeah. toast in the morning. Yes. So he thinks to this day he's lived in America now for ten years at least. He thinks our worst food is fucking amazing. I I will tell you a brief story. I lived in Norway. And uh, one day, I made for people I was I was living with, staying with, I made tacos, and literally had never had they'd never had anything s- spicy before in their lives, uh-huh. and they ate like fifty tacos until they were sick. <laughs> it was just like it was like what is this magical? Thing? I'm like oh that's just fucking chili powder. Like what is this magical thing you've created here? So you you brought the chili powder in your. Luggage? I found I had to go find no I had to go find like, a like specialty store. Yeah, they had like some North African uh, spice store or something like that. And they, but it was like they literally their food is so bland that you give them spice. Now they can't handle hot food because they just fucking pass out, turn red and pass out. <laughs> but like just a little spice and like just pepper. It's like you know right. it must have been like before like the uh, Europeans had the spice trade going and they had just bland food and then some of the Marco Polo or whatever the fuck it was brought back pepper and they're like <laughs> pepper became like a currency <laughs> right. because it was so delicious 
for them to actually have pepper on shit. Well, they're like wars fought, uh, fought over salt. Yeah. Um, Can you imagine having unsalted food? Have you ever tasted unsalted food before? No. Like just a meal where you don't put salt in it? A pizza where there's no salt in it? No, it'd be awful. It would just be... It's so, bl- it's so incredibly bland. Matt, let me ask you. Your hero, uh, Hannah Simone... Hannah, Hannah Simone, that's her name. I feel like I should know who this She's is. She's a girl from New, from New Girl. Oh, oh, right. I've right, never right. seen an episode of New Girl, by the way, in terms of my masculine pride. I just feel like that's a beta male, a beta male show. I've seen previews of it. It looks like the ma- uh, beta male show with, uh, what's her name? Uh, quirky Girl. Quirky, whatever her name is. The girl's made a living off being quirky. Who's the head of New uh, Girl? New, uh, I don't know. One of the uh, two sisters. One plays in the band, and one plays is Quirky Girl. Raven Simone? <laughs> You've seen this. I know you've seen this show. New Girls? Yeah, New Girl. It's no. been on Fox or something for like nine years. I, I don't know if anyone's actually watching any of these shows. Is, is, I'm, I'm kind of feel sad that I can't name actresses like this, but I kind of feel happy for myself as well. Oh, wow. Replacement Pizza, Brian. Oh, look at that. Replacement Pizza. Dude, Rocco's really... Put him on the wall. Put his name on the wall, though, somewhere. <laughs> I guess we should explain that Brian dumped over a pizza. Yeah, they had this uh, thing. They have like a big coffee can sized can of tomatoes and they put your uh, 18 inch pizza on top of it so you know the, this little thin well, aluminum it, I Brian I want to say it's not your yeah, fault at it, all it was not their fault Brian. it was not it was not your fault Brian you see I pizzas mean, dropping on the floor all the time they've been doing this for they, years they yeah. balanced the whole pizza on there when I, I pulled the slice off the whole thing too. I gotta say a drunk move before noon is really impressive but uh, yeah pizzas are always, you can't go to a restaurant without pizzas being on the floor all over the place it's really horrible that's good pizza uh, Hannah's, uh, what, what's the Brian can you look up the, the, the lead girl and new girl please uh, the girl, the big eye, the girl, with the big eyes, and the round face. That's all I'm gonna say. Uh, Zoe Deschanel. Zoe Deschanel. Oh, okay. I mean, I totally had the. Or one of the Deschanel. The sister also plays in a band. I forget. They're quirky girls. Anyhow, Hannah Simone's been on New Girl, and there was a new pilot. Uh, you know, in the spring they shoot a lot. Uh, networks, ABC, NBC, all they shoot like twenty, what twenty, thirty pilots, and then they pick the best the ones they like the most to be shows in the fall. Right. Three, four, or five to be the best. So the first step is you get a script, and then you get a pilot. And they go, well, we like the script. We're going to make a pilot. Shoot the pilot. And then the pilot either gets picked up or doesn't get picked up. So she, they're rebooting this show from the seven, late 70s called The Greatest American Hero. And, of course, it was about a nerdy blonde guy who becomes like a, gets an alien spacesuit and becomes like a superhero. But he's really goofy and doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. It was an amusing show in the late 70s. It uh, did fairly well on ABC, back on ABC. So ABC, of course, is going to reboot it. But they're going to reboot it with a female lead. And a female lead of color, person of color. How original. Yes. So the greatest, they picked Hannah Simone, who, by the way, I didn't know was a, pers- a POC. Actually, excuse me, a WOC, a woman of color. Mm-hmm. The women of, women of color now differentiate themselves from people of color to make it clear that, they don't, that they're more downtrodden than the men of color. How is white not a color, by the way? <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know. Uh, but they're women. So you're WOC, and they've shot the, they shot the pilot. She's half Indian. By the way, she's British, and she's half. Her father was in, from India. Yeah. Very common in England. So, but she's fairly light skinned and she's an attractive younger lady, mid thirties lady. Um, so it's the kind of thing where you have to remind people, kind of remind people that you're a woman of color because her name's Hannah Simone. She's fairly light complected. So you yeah. have to kind of like do that thing. She's where like, like a little bit ethnic looking, but you. She could also be white, and you wouldn't. She could be Italian or whatever. Yeah, you wouldn't notice the difference. In fact, right. I think her mom's Italian. And uh, so anyhow, so they shot, she shot the pilot for Greatest American Hero. She's going to be like this lead in the show. And then ABC decided not to pick, not to pick it up after they shot the pilot because ABC said they, want, they were going with 
three camera sitcoms, like the traditional sitcom shows, for their funny stuff, as opposed to a single camera show, which is was, which is like more like those uh, the drama shows are usually shot single camera. Yeah. Oh, I was gonna. I I think it's weird that uh, that a, a superhero show would be a single camera show, don't you think? That was a difference they were gonna do. It's like single camera shows, people are like shot in the streets. It's like shot like a like a movie. Right. And three cameras shot on state on a sound stage. Like Roseanne is a three camera. Two show. and a half men. Yeah, all the all the sitcoms are all shot in. They're all shot. Multi cam shows are usually god awful. They usually god awful, but they make all the money. Right. <laughs> they make those are the ones you see. Friends, Seinfeld, they're all shot in syndication. You hear the people, they shot in front of a live audience. Well, Seinfeld often. was good, but I, yes. I get your point. Yeah. yeah. So anyhow, Matt, so she took the social media, as people do, when they don't get the, the job of their dreams to blame, to blame somebody or something for it. But she just offhanded mentioned, I guess ABC Disney isn't ready for a brown woman to be a superhero on, on their network. Right. She blamed the show not getting picked up on racial discrimination. Ra- uh, gender bias and the double, double whammy, racial Racial discrimination and, and gender bias. Even though they are dying for that to happen, it's just that this show sucked particularly bad. They literally shot, I would say they literally shot the pilot just because it was a female, a WOC lead character. Yes. In it, they probably thought the script sucked. They probably thought the reboot idea wasn't even that good. They didn't want to do a single camera show, but they did it any, shot the pilot because of that reason. Right. Hoping it would be amazing and they could pick it up. Because Disney is the single most progressive uh, Me Too gender <laughs> racial focused multicultural company in probably the entire world but certainly in the media industry yeah. they are pushing so hard to have so much multi-diversity inclusion whatever the fuck it is more than anybody else so there's absolutely almost almost no way that what she said is true and she has no evidence of it but you can just drop like charges of racism and gender bias and laugh about it as if like we all know it's true, so I don't need to provide evidence. So I'm just going to label like, oh, 15 people at Disney ABC as just racist uh, misogynists. Yeah. Just because, just because, and ha ha ha. It almost, I mean, I mean, it makes her look really bad because um, obviously, I don't think she's dumb because she's shrewd enough to like do this, this sort of PC blame game type of deal. Um, but she's. I don't know if she understands how how bad it, it looks when everyone knows that they are trying to make these shows, they, just like you said, only because they're women of color in these certain roles, like a superhero. They they remade this crappy show yes. with just for this reason, and then she tweets out her and another woman in in the in the tweet i think it was a tweet or post or whatever it was saying they're not ready for a woman of color and i don't know if you understand what's happening they're all her and and another woman and a white guy are dressed up as mexicans yeah for Cinco de Mayo. okay so if you're the type of person that is offended by everything and you go around saying phrases like person of color and shit like that yes you're also the same type of person that thinks it's offensive to dress up as a fucking mexican I don't, right? I don't think the way the mindset works, and I don't know for sure, obviously, what she's thinking. I don't think they even believe the shit they're writing now. I think it's just like it's become pro forma. Right. If you're, a, if you're a, a, a woman of color, you don't get a, jo- you don't get a job. And by the way, she gradu- I checked her background. She graduated in college uh, in Canada in 2005, and she has worked on multiple TV jobs since 2005 
every single year of her life. She yeah. has never not been without work. She has worked steadily since she graduated college. She got a job on the Canadian version of Good Morning America as like a reporter. Yeah, pro- in part probably because she's from a wealthy family. Well, also because she, I think because she's a, a, a woman, a, a woman of color, that she actually got some you know chances for gigs when they're looking. So to she's hire one them. of the most privileged people. Well, she, I'm sure she's talented. She may be talented. She may deserve the jobs. I'm just saying she's never been without a job. She was on New Girl for seven years. She's a network TV show. She's never been without a job. It's not like she's being, you know, it's not like she can't find work and she's complaining about how she, this is, the man's keeping her down. Right. She's working, like, constantly. She just didn't get this one thing. She didn't get this one thing. That she really wanted. And she just offhandedly. It's very blamed, lucrative gig. Yes. Blamed it on uh, racism and gender bias. So like, she's a fucking asshole. But I'm saying is, I think that, like, I don't think she even, I don't think these women even, she's, she's an educated, college educated person. I don't think she even believes it. And she must know the people at Disney. I think she just says it like you have to say it. It's like pro forma now. If you're if you're not if you're a woman of color and you don't get a job, you now say it's racism and gender bias. And by the way, you can't say it's not. I yeah, I think you're right. And but to me, it came off as so so blatantly transparent and uh, low rent. Yes, you know. Yeah, it's lame. Like, like she doesn't. I don't know, and I don't know how other people perceive it. But to me, I'm just like. It it did not ring true at all, and nope. it it looked very low class. It looked like she didn't believe like she, what she was saying, and she was just saying it to appease people, right? Because you have to say I'm a I'm a vic- I'm a victim. We talk about this. Uh, you and I talk about with Je- Jennifer Lopez claiming she's a victim of body shaming <laughs> after making three hundred million, be literally one of the most successful people ever to make money on just her body. She is now coming out with stories about how she's been body shamed her entire life and what a victim she is. Well, you know how they say. Like, uh, oh, she was asking for it. Like, a woman can be able to wear, like, a revealing outfit and then, I guess, look at you weird when you're staring at her butthole, which I still don't understand. Yes. Um, but, okay, let's assume that's true. Jennifer Lopez cannot. <laughs> no. She's, like, the one person that just cannot say this. She's clearly made a living off her body. She's, not a, she's made a huge amount of money as a singer. She can't sing. I mean, she literally can't sing. She's, made, she's a fetish model. She's a chick with a giant ass. She's made, and she's attractive, and, and guys like that and stuff like that. I don't blame her, but that's clearly made her money off her body. And then to claim that body shaming is her victim card just seems a little rich when she's literally the most successful woman in her body, body ass What is wrong ever. with people? Why is everyone so lame? I believe that my theory is that this victim thing, for women especially, is like, their, cur- their highest level of currency. It's like their Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, no matter how rich and successful you get, it's like the currency you crave is the victim currency. And so you have, no matter how, Jennifer Lopez must have a very charmed life. No matter how charmed it is, you have to then have this currency. And if you have zero of it, you feel, you feel broke no matter how much, how much money you have. Yeah. So you just come up with shit like this, like Hannah Simone or Jennifer Lopez. We're like, I'm literally one of the, mu- the most successful people in my field. But here's I look at me. I'm actually a vic, I'm actually a victim of shit. Right. It's, I don't I don't think guys do it as much because I think it's a more feminine trait to do that to, to sort of like. Well, when guys do it, no one fucking listens. No, no, one, no really one cares. No one really cares. <laughs> I'm, I want to move on to our final segment today. I'm shaking up things a little bit here in panties and a bunch, moving some topics around. That Brian's got to go take a napper <laughs> before they haul him off in the van for camp. Uh, uh, Matt, I want to ask you. Uh, this is an email I'm going to use in my panties in a bunch segment from Ryan. Uh, 
I don't know if you know, uh, if you follow all the gay cinema and future upcoming gay television shows. We talked about one already today. But uh, uh, Jennifer Aniston is going to play the first female president on a Netflix. It's a movie or a show. I'm not really sure how they're going to chunk it up yet. Uh, Jennifer Aniston, uh, who's never actually, from what I can tell, had a successful acting role ever. I can't think of a movie where she's been good in ever. Or where the movie did really well, actually, by the way. She was I very can't su- either. She was on Friends, which is a very successful TV show. And she's made about 15 movies since, and they've all tanked and or been really I poor. I like the movie The Breakup a lot, but it was not a successful movie. And it was not because of her. I don't think she was very good. At it. I did love... Uh, What's his name in it? She was in Office That's Christmas. She was in Office. She was in Office Space. She was in Office Space as the girlfriend. Oh, she, she was in the single. No, horrible bosses. Yeah, she, they've moved her into the com- comedic, slightly older woman category. She's horrible, anyhow. But she's going to play the first female president. Who, by the way, small detail, is also a lesbian. So her her wife is going to be Tig Notaro. Uh, who wrote, who was writing this movie and or show, who's going to play her lesbian. And it's called, by the way... I guess Netflix isn't ready for a lesbian president. Uh, no way, it looks like they definitely no, they are. are. They are. Oh, but here's the thing. Uh, uh, Tig Notaro is going to be the, uh, their wife, and guess what the show's called? I don't know. First Ladies. First Ladies. <laughs> so, what year is this? <laughs> why? Upcoming. What, what but here's a question on? Ryan wants to know. Here's my pan- combining my panties in a bunch segment. Isn't Jennifer Aniston playing a lesbian president obvious appropriation? And why is not a single soul in Hollywood talking about this kind of appropriation? That's a good point. Not that I don't think any of us give a shit at this table, but there are people that if Tilda Swinton wants to play an Asian character, people start writing angry letters. So I don't get why a heterosexual person playing a, a homosexual, why that would be any different. Or you, if you're a fucking loser that thinks about shit like this. Um, or why why even Tig Notaro couldn't be the president. Right, an why actual the butch, lesbian. A butchy, a butchy mas- masculine uh, lesbian right. could be the president. Yeah. That's, by the way, that's the type of character who's more likely to become president than a... A model type, a model type, high maintenance, uh, long, long flowing haired, uh, you know, TV looking woman is never going to be president of the United States. That's a very good point. They took the actual lesbian who uh, may or may not have written this role for herself. I guess we'd have to ask her, but yes, um, probably the better role, and she's getting beat out by um, Jennifer a, essentially a, a minor sex symbol. Yeah, a stand-in who can sell, who can probably sell the movie. And not a single, and it's, and it's not like there's not lesbian actors in Hollywood they could go to, even if they wanted to cast a better looking, you know, the uh, lipstick lesbian to be to be president. There's a thousand lesbian a- talented actresses in Hollywood, so they could have easily got somebody. They clearly got Jennifer Aniston so she, they could greenlight the project because she has a name. Well, it wasn't. Uh, I mean, it wasn't so careless in that Jennifer Aniston is very believable as a lesbian. She has an enormous jaw. Um, <laughs> I think you're the only one who believes this. I mean, kind I, of a smoker's voice. She doesn't. The only thing not believable about her about her being a lesbian is that she's clearly not a lesbian. I mean, she's a very famous person who's a famous not lesbian. True. So, I mean, it's not like she's an unknown actress. You could say she might be a lesbian. Everyone knows she's she's straight. So they clearly this is clearly appropriation. Yeah. But I believe all the Hollywood people who bark about this shit aren't saying anything because she's still in a protected class, which is for some reason. Rich white, rich white female is still a protected class in Hollywood because it's listed as Me Too woman. She, it, Jennifer Aniston is literally in a class where you can't 
bring up this appropriation topic because she's covered by being a woman, despite the fact she's worth a couple hundred million dollars and she's a horrible actress. <laughs> she's only getting this because she's famous. I mean, I don't know what other theory would make sense. Yeah, obviously. I mean, it, it appears that uh, women, well-to-do, privileged women, can do whatever the fuck they want. And they're not going to get that. They're not going to get appropriate. There's no, just, there's no, I checked, there's just no appropriation debate going on about this, this topic whatsoever. I'm sure in hardcore gay groups there probably is. Of which I'm not a member, so I'll you know I'll ask you next time we meet if there's any if there's any update on that. But it's just it's so the it thing- wouldn't it would uh, sorry, but it would it would totally make sense to be on the front page of Huffington Post. It could easily be a thing. Yes, saying why couldn't they straight gay uh, stealing gay culture, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, why couldn't they find a gay actress to play the to play that's, the first it, gay that's president? All these fucking thing people talk about. Yes. Not a not a single not a single story on this. And the thing that kills me about all these uh, movements and the empowerment and the hashtag, all this shit like that, is not that people feel that way because I don't agree with most of what they're thinking or saying. It's the hypocrisy. It's the always hypocrisy, right? It's the fact that there's always rules, like you know, like oh, the Me Too is going to take everybody down, but now by the way, it's Tom Brokaw. So 65 women are going to say sign a letter <laughs> saying no, it can't be Tom Brokaw because we you know we love Tom Brokaw. Right. <laughs> we he's he's been so kind to me. It can't be Tom Brokaw. So there's always, except, there's always exceptions to all these rules that they make. It's like a total hypocrisy. They have to have hypocrisy in this. And it's just, uh, that kills me. Like, if you're going to be a hardcore activist, be a hardcore activist. Believe what you believe. We disagree, but fine. But then if you can say, oh, by the way, there's 37 exceptions based on what's really making my life easier, then it's just, then it's just completely worthless. Yeah, and it invalidates all of your fucking whining, too. Yes. Because you obviously don't have real convictions. Or, or, or even, like, a, a bona fide stance or set of standards on what is and isn't cool. You can't just have a thing where you get to fucking uh, complain and whine uh, about whatever you pick and choose. Yes, and you make you have a strong rule, but there's all these exceptions you get to make so that you don't have to come out against a woman in, in an appropriation story. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And it's led by, it's led by uh, 24-year-old soul-cycling blo- bloggers at <laughs> Huffington Post. I think you're right. The downfall of us all. Uh, Brian, you got something you wish to pip and promote on the show this week besides your conversion camp uh, upcoming visit? <laughs> what if it, by the way, what if the story was a gay dude goes to the conversion camp and converts all the straight guys into being gay? Mm. And, yeah. they have, and they have European music set to raw, rowdy house music. <laughs> I don't know which would be the better movie or less bad one. That feels like a John Waters, like a John Waters film that has to be made. Yeah, I'd watch that. Brian, what do you got going on? You got the uh, headphone with the mic. I know something's happening. <laughs> yeah, I, I got that in preparation for Ventura County Baseball Club. I'll be broadcasting their home and away games uh, for their top division team, competing against teams in the California Collegiate League, the CCL. Actually, uh, traveling in the middle of July up to. Fairbanks, Alaska, to play the Gold Panners for a seven-game stint. Very nice. Oh, my hometown. Really? Yeah. That's exciting. Oh, the Gold Panners. I didn't even get that. Yes. Alaska Gold Panners and Fairbanks. Yeah. You mentioned there are some mosquitoes to look out for, a state bird or something. Uh, I was there not long ago, and the mosquitoes are... Were, I don't know if it's a... I think it's a good year for the mosquitoes. Meaning, be fine. meaning they're not as bad as Good normal. for us. You'll be fine, Brian. What date is that? Uh, the middle of July, just after... No, like the twelfth to seventeenth or something like that. Oh, nice! I'll. I'll uh, is that, is how, that, long, how long are you going to be there? It'll be up there for a week. Oh, I'll, seven I'll, games I'll, in six days. I'll, 
I'll uh, come visit, man. We'll talk. I'll give you some recommendations. All right, that's the month you can watch the Bears having sex, right? <laughs> <laughs> Is that it? Brian, that's a, that's a great move, by the way. Are you going to uh, dress like uh, your Bor- uh, Bor- Borat from the movie Bruno when you go to the, uh, like Sasha Baron Cohen from Bruno when you go to these baseball games? <laughs> you know, we used to, uh, is, uh, said Japanese people, uh, Shinto? Uh, oh, the religion. Yeah, yes. the religion. Yes. Um, they think that if your child is conceived under the northern lights, the aurora borealis, as they call it. Yes. That it'll have, like, magical powers or whatever fucking weird shit they think. <clears throat> so they'd get these big tour buses, and um, they would all fuck. When wow. they saw the Northern Lights, they'd get out and fuck. It's in Alaska. Yeah, so we'd, we'd always watch them fuck. Are you sure this really happened? Is this an episode of Northern Exposure, man? <laughs> <laughs> this feels like this may have been a, one of the episodes. Sounds too weird to be true, but it is. Uh, no, uh, Japanese, uh, Asian people are freaky about their sex stuff. Yeah. <laughs> they really are, from the, from the rhino horn shit to all the other stuff. I don't know why stuff. they couldn't interpret it as like, okay, so if you think the Northern Lights give you magical powers, you c- you're still technically under the Northern Lights if you're in a hotel room. And you're also the Northern Lights are still happening if you don't see them. Do you have to see them? And you're not. These are all valid questions. I don't think well, just the fact are that you're visible watch- in the summertime. Asking for an Asian friend, of course. <laughs> no, they're not. Oh, no. he'll be. You're not going to see Northern Lights. You're not going to see lights when it's when it's light out. Just so you know, prepare yourself for Alaska, Brian. You need a lot to learn. Matt, you have something you wish to sell yourself on, like uh, a horror, like a cheap horror. MattRalston.net. Not really. I have a. Uh, upcoming uh, film uh, that I want to talk about next, maybe next next time we do this, but not not right now. I like how your your column uh, was like fuck cheese, fuck lobster, fuck this, fuck that, fuck that. You're like, you think this would work in a food column? <laughs> 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 I was like, I like you have no idea who reads food columns, do you? Anti foodie. Yeah, it's not hardcore like du- young dudes. <laughs> it's like middle aged fat women who like want to read about the, the latest baking recipe and, t- and be cheery with other people. <laughs> it's not It's not the uh, misanthropes uh, of the world. Yeah, the you, 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 now that I think about it, that was a, a very pathetic uh, question. I want to thank Rocco. Thank you guys thank very you, much Rocco. for the pizza and the second pizza, the backup pizza you brought <laughs> on behalf of Brian's rookie move. Uh, <laughs> select, last word, talk to you next week. <laughs>